Hello and welcome to Filling the Sink, a podcast from Catalan News. I'm Lorcan Doherty and today we're talking about Barcelona Zoo. Founded in 1892, Barcelona Zoo is part of the fabric of the city. But what should its role be in the 21st century? On today's podcast, we'll be hearing from the zoo's director and one of the zookeepers there. We'll hear from an animal rights activist who said that changes need to happen quicker. And we get the opinion of a professor of ethics at Barcelona University. I'm joined today by two Catalan news journalists. We've got Christina Tomas White. Hi, Christina. Good to see you again. Hey, Lorcan. And for the first time on Filling the Sink, Gerard Escatch Folk. You're very welcome, Gerard. Hi, nice to meet you, Lorcan. So before we recorded, uh, Gifre, who listeners will know is a regular contributor on the podcast, he was shocked to find out I had never heard of Snowflake the Gorilla. So tell me, fill me in here. I'm trying to integrate myself into Catalan <laughs> culture, but he was shocked, you know. I mean, I thought everyone knew about Fruquet de Neu or Snowflake. Um, this is the world's only known albino gorilla. He was captured in the 60s in Equatorial Guinea, which at the time was a Spanish colony, and sold to a Catalan primatologist who took him to the Barcelona Zoo, where he lived um, from the 60s until 2003. Well, he, he died in 2003, so I think I can be excused for not coming across him. But, but he, he, he was yeah, just like... He was like, like well-known everywhere. Yeah, like, there yeah. were like pictures and like there were magnets around the Ramblas as well, I believe. Yeah, yeah. and, and was really I think young. there was, wasn't there some sort of like... British band that has a song about him oh, or like, Ooh, that's like I, I was really really young when I like when I went to the zoo to like see if look at the nail every time like it was like the attraction and like there mm-hmm. was one time that we went back and we were like oh where is he he's not here anymore he's gone like and my father was like oh well he has passed away like it's like recently and yeah, all Barcelona was devastated. The city in mourning. Yeah, yeah, no, I was very upset when he died. <laughs> so things, Christina, have changed a little bit since the days of Flocket de Neo uh, or Snowflake. In terms of how animals come to the zoo, you just described what his story was, but also just the awareness in general about the worldwide threat to biodiversity. Right. So, well, I mean, to begin with, before I get into the biodiversity aspect of it, um, nowadays it's more frowned upon to like go out in the wild and bring in a wild animal you know now they talk a lot about conservation and preservation and reintroduction of these animals into the wild um, precisely because of the threats to biodiversity there are scientists who believe that we are in the face of the sixth mass extinction of species the last one was when the dinosaurs were around which it's been a while so (laughs) this is a pretty big deal and it's mainly caused by humans and what do zoos have a role in in preserving biodiversity that's one of the arguments yeah no that's definitely the main argument one of the main arguments nowadays um and it was an especially like prominent feature in the 2019 mm-hmm. ordinance that was passed by the city council okay tell us a little about this then gerard this is the local council passed some legislation on like a new plan for the zoo gerard yeah indeed they wanted to change their zoo they wanted to have a difference between the past and the future of the zoo in Barcelona. They want to focus on local species because obviously local species will have a, diff- a more natural ecosystem to the one that we are used here in Barcelona than animals in Australia, for example. They, are, they have kangaroos and koalas at the zoo now and they want to like, stop having them because they, having them in captivity is useless in Barcelona because they are not going to reintroduce them back. So they want to 
their new ordinances to focus the zoo to become a place for kids and adults as well to learn about the animals that live around us. For so example. really putting the focus on education mm. then, exactly. mm. as opposed to yeah. spectacle. Yeah, yeah, education exactly. and also research. So yeah, their plan is to focus on education, scientific research. We've seen some changes. They used to have dolphins. Now they don't have any more dolphins. And they also focused that because they thought, okay, if we have animals here that will affect our biodiversity and our ecosystem, but also these animals are important to our way of life. So for example, uh, we all know like bats and like pangolins are like one of the topics from COVID-19, right? Yeah, that's what the zoo director is actually telling us, that the pandemic was a prime example of an imbalance between, you know, human activity and um, ecosystems in general. Okay, and is the plan, is this a three-year plan, five-year? Is this a long time into well, the future? Well, it's longer than three and five years. They passed this legislation in 2019, and they plan to have it finish before the pandemic. That was their plan in 2031. So we are talking about 12 years. Okay. Obviously, now it will be delayed. That's what they've told us. And they invested more than 60 million euros. Right. So okay. far, only nine. That's what they told us. So there's still a lot of money to be spend. Okay, Gerard and Christina, you were also speaking to Rosie Carro from Zoo from, 21. Yeah, Tell us about that group. Yeah, Zoo 21 is actually the group that is behind the Citizens Initiative that led to the legislation that Gerard was talking about being approved by the council. So they aren't necessarily in favor of closing the zoos, but they think that they should be radically changed. Okay, well, let's take a listen to your report, Christina, from the zoo and with Zoo 21. Visiting the zoo more than two decades after first going there on a school trip brought back a wave of memories. The excitement of seeing Snowflake and the other animals, going to the dolphin show, eating tinfoil wrap sandwiches, playing on what felt like, but most definitely wasn't, the world's biggest jungle gym. Things have changed quite a bit, I have to say. Ulises the orca was sent to SeaWorld in San Diego over 25 years ago. Snowflake is no longer with us, and sea animal shows are no longer a thing either. We also only saw two school groups on the day that we went, far fewer than the flocks of children I remember seeing there as a kid. Looking at official visitor figures, this seems to check out. While over a million people went to the Barcelona Zoo in 2016, almost 300,000 fewer visited it three years later in 2019, the year the city ordinance was passed, before the pandemic-related slump started in 2020. moderns Son una eina de primer ordre per preservar la biodiversitat. Since 2019, the zoo focuses on, quote, conservation, scientific research, and dissemination of wild fauna and its natural habitats. Along these lines, zoo director Antonio Larcón argues that modern zoos are essential when it comes to protecting the world's biodiversity. No perquè creiem que la biodiversitat és molt maca pels animals, sinó perquè ens afecta a nosaltres. Part of the European Association of Zoos and Aquaria, the Barcelona Zoo is currently involved in around 15 reinsertion programs. La instal·lació del Tritó del Montseny, amb tota seguretat l'amfibi més amenaçat de tota Europa. Some animals, like the Montseny Newt, Europe's most endangered amphibian, are local species. While others, like the Dorcas gazelle, now known to people in Senegal as the white person's gazelle, are not, despite the ordinance's attempt to shift towards protecting mainly Mediterranean species. 
Alarcón describes his workers as the true animal rights defenders and like some activists, and defends this position at length, stressing just how devoted they are to the zoo's more than 1,700 individual animals. And zookeeper Nuria Moreno Gutierrez, who the European bison were excited to greet as she walked towards them, describes the animals and workers as one big family. But some activist groups, notably Zoo 21, still don't agree with how the zoo is being run. They say the 2019 legislation isn't being implemented. According to Zoo 21, zoos shouldn't close entirely, but rather be transformed into places that actively provide, quote, shelter, attention, assistance, and opportunities to animals, especially local ones, during, for example, extreme weather events. Rosy Carro, one of the group's members, complains that animals that will not be reintroduced into the wild are still allowed to reproduce. Climate change is altering ecosystems, and zoos, she argues, should be protecting habitats and only allowing species to mate if they will be freed in the near future, not perhaps 20 or so years from now. The role of zoos has changed throughout the years, going from places of entertainment and spectacle to ones that, at least in theory, are meant to protect animal well-being and promote scientific research. As decreasing biodiversity and climate change, something that both parties agree on, become more pressing issues, their role is likely to continue to evolve. Thanks to Rosie Caro from Zoo 21 and Anthony Alarcón, director of Barcelona Zoo, and Nuria Moreno Gutiérrez, a zookeeper there. Now, if we look at the history of zoos, I mean, what they kind of represent and their role has changed constantly as society has changed. And I suppose expectations have changed going right back, Christine, isn't that right? No, definitely. Uh, someone that I spoke with, who we will hear more from later on, is Norbert Bilben, a professor of ethics at the University of Barcelona. And one of the things that he said was that zoos have been around for a very long time, you know, dating back to the ancient ancient Roman times. And even later on, royal families had animals on display. It's kind of a thing for yeah. rich, rich, powerful people to show off. It was off. a spectacle. Yeah. 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 And um, in fact, the Barcelona Zoo, when it was founded in 1892, it was because some rich guy with a bunch of animals decided to give his private collection to the city. And then they opened it in the Ciutadella Park. Which is right in the middle of Barcelona. It's not like up in the hills or anything, yeah, you know? Yeah, And at first it was this place for, yeah, people to go and mm -hmm. have a bit of leisure time and mm -hmm. look at the show that the animals put yeah. on. And the idea gradually changed, I Yeah, suppose. yeah. So, yeah, no, it started off as like a show, entertainment. Um, during the Second Republic, there was a move to make it more of a scientific... So this is like 1930s? Yeah, yeah, during the 1930s. But of course, there was a bit of a hiccup with the Spanish Civil War and the post-war period. Which was devastating for the zoo as it was for society. In At large, Like actual yeah. bombs landed yeah. on the zoo during yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And then in the 1960s, which is around the time that Snowflake came to the zoo from Equatorial Guinea, they also opened a research and conservation center um, in Equatorial Guinea. 
so th- this also shows you that you know the the mentality has changed. To think about that. You know, going yeah. In more recent years, there have obviously been far more changes. As um, Gerard said, you know, they're no longer dolphins. There was a famous killer whale who um, came to the zoo in the 80s, and then he was sent to SeaWorld in San Diego in the 90s. Um, Yeah, but I have to say, I was actually surprised just reading a little bit um, this morning that the last dolphins only left the zoo last year, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they went, yeah. To, they went to Athens and I was like, okay, okay, Barcelona can now say, okay, we don't have any more dolphins. They stopped mm-hmm. the shows a, a few years back, but they still had dolphins in captivity. Now they can say they don't, but for the dolphins, they've just gone to, I think some previously went to Valencia, some went to Athens. Mm-hmm. But I guess part of the problem with zoos and reintroduction schemes is you can't, or it's very difficult to put animals that have been bred in captivity right, just out in the wild. Right. They don't know how to survive without right. humans at times. Or No, that's definitely an issue. But there's also the fact that if you haven't changed the things that are harming the habitat for these animals, you can't just send them back into the wild if they're going to be killed right away because, you know, of what is most likely human impact on environments. Okay, and you mentioned, Christina, that you spoke to a professor of ethics at the University of Barcelona. Yeah, I spoke with Nurbert Bilben, and he told me his view on how the relationship between humans and animals should be, and what roles zoos should take on in the 21st century. Okay, let's take a listen. This is Norbert Bilbain, Professor of Ethics at the University of Barcelona. I think that zoos, or some kind of uh, public exhibition of animals, could go on, given that the increasing technological way of living demands, as a contrast, all type of experiences or living perceptions around nature, including, of course, the animal life and the observation of that uh, life. And zoos must, must perform now first as centers for the public scientific knowledge of the living animal species. So the educational goal is the most important factor. But at the same time, zoos could become centers for the conservation and the preservation of those animal species which are in danger of extinction. Until now, the animals have been living in the zoos as imprisoned creatures, imprisoned beings, okay? So zoos are similar to to prisons for all them. Consequently, they suffer. And most of us, spectators, visitors, we also suffer. Non-human animals have also sensibility and some animals have also subjective experience. For example, chimpanzees, dolphins, or dogs and cats, etc. They have a high level of sensitivity. And so we have to consider their experience of suffering. In other words, the way we treat animals shows the level and the quality of our culture and education shows the level of our supposed humanity. 
uh, we have to correct and to reshape the current balance between man and nature and try to behave with much more respect in our relationship with animals. That was Norbe Bilbain, Professor of Ethics at the University of Barcelona. Thanks very much to him. This week on Twitter, Filling the Sink is on Twitter, by the way, please give us a follow if you haven't already, and on Facebook too. Uh, we put a poll on Twitter that said, what should be done with zoos in the 21st century? And the results are in. So uh, about one in five people said, keep them open, they're great for kids. Uh, the same amount, which is exactly 19.2%, said close them, they're outdated. But the overwhelming majority went for the third option we put in, which was reform them as sanctuaries, so as animal sanctuaries. Christina, as we were putting together these options, we, like Twitter gives you 25 characters. <laughs> so we were like, there's, not, really much, there's not much room yeah, for subtlety. Yeah. Like, you know, and actually one of the comments, um, Tim in Barcelona got in touch and said, it's a question that's tough to answer as just three multiple choice options, but they could do great research and conservation work however most often still focus on entertainment and profit i suppose that's kind of the debate summed up isn't it there by tim and and um but yeah our very unscientific twitter poll definitely seems to be in favor of keeping zoos but changing them yeah no and actually maybe now the question is not so much what their role should be but whether they are actually meeting these goals of adapting to the 21st century. And, you know, one thing I did notice when talking to people at the zoo, as well as um, Rosy Carro, the activist, is that they don't disagree on essential things. Like, there are threats to biodiversity and climate change, and, you know, animals do need to be protected, but they disagree more on what actions should actually be taken. And widening the kind of animal rights question out a little bit. There was actually some relevant news with a law passed in the Spanish Senate this week, Gerard. Yeah, exactly. In fact, it relates to what Christina was saying about protecting the animals. In this case, it's not zoo animals, it's pets, like dog, cats, because they have approved, and the Senate, like after the Congress approved that, that animals are considered sentient beings, and they're not considered things, as they used to be, like, a couple of days ago. In law. So exactly, in law. And the impact? Well, first, the law has to come into effect. Now it's been approved by the Senate, by the, but there are still some administrative steps. But the important part is that animals are going to be considered as sentient beings. For example, at a road accident, if there's an animal involved, people will also have to help that animal, not only the person, or also on separations or divorces. It's like kids. Okay. If there's no agreement between the mother and the father, and then a jury will like step in and will decide for them. Like they're, So you could have shared custody, exactly. you could have joined custody of animals, exactly. whereas before it was like um, it was like a piece of property. Exactly. A thing. It, it was, was like property. it went it was to someone object. or the yeah. other. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. And it'll be interesting to see whether that law has any effect as well when it comes to zoos. Time now for our Catalan phrase... Gerard, it's your first week here, so it falls on you to give us one. <laughs> well, a rite of passage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I was feeling so pressured, but I think I'm going to go with a pass da tortuga. 
a pasta tortuga, so a turtle's paste. Yeah, exactly. All right, okay. So things that go slowly, that they don't change in a really fast. And to refer, we know that the legislation of this is going to be for 12 years minimum. So, <laughs> so that's going to be a pasta tortuga. A pasta tortuga. Uh -huh. In English, you could say snail's paste, different animals, same idea. Yep, definitely. And that brings us to the end of this episode of Filling the Sink. Thanks very much to everyone who chatted to us for the podcast this week. Thanks to the two of you, Christina and Gerard. Thanks for having us. It's been a pleasure. And thanks to you for listening. Do subscribe to Filling the Sink if you haven't already on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back with another episode next week. Until then, for me, Lorcan Doherty, and all of us here at Catalan News, bye for now. Adieu.